copy of the Word of God. And uh, I want to remind you of the things that we are focusing on uh, during the, the remainder of 2021 and going into 2022. We are concentrating on enhancing our digital platform that we might effectively reach everybody for Christ through the multimedia ministry, which has been the arm of the church outside of the four walls. The best, one of the best things that's happened as a result of the pandemic is the Lord forced the church to do what we should have been doing all along. We're reaching people around the world. We're also asking and inviting you to join us as we reconnect through doing life together, doing life together. We're going to be rolling out life groups for our church, and you'll be getting information about the life group that I'm asking you as your pastor to participate in. Uh, we are, I'm doing a teaching now on Wednesday night on how to do life groups, so I'm uh, encouraging you I'm as uh, your pastor to tune in on Wednesday night so you can understand what life groups are all about. We are going to be rolling out in more in a more definitive way in January, our, our uh, biblical academy. We're going to be doing a systematic study through the Old and New Testament. And hopefully we'll have the church open again. And we'll have tables here for those of you who want to take notes. We're working towards uh, getting some kind of accreditation, or if not, for now, certificates for those who complete. Some of you need to be getting further training and not depending on Google searches to learn the Bible, amen? And then we're asking you to reconnect with us as we continue to build a house in Middletown. I'm just excited about all the things that God is going to do in the ministry that he is preparing us for there. Asking you to partner with us financially, prayerfully, continue to contribute to our building fund. God is birthing some, some mighty things that you will be a part of as we move forward, amen? Oh, that was kind of weak, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We continue to pray for our elder uh, board as he, uh, we look forward to when he's going to be in the building again. We miss him and just want to know that we are, we love you and we're praying for you even now. In the book of Genesis, I want to read verse 27 through 29. So the boys grew and Esau was a skillful hunter a man of the field, but Jacob was a mild man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate his game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, we are so humbled that you would hear us, our humble cry. God, we are aware that there is nothing that is hidden from you. And so, Father, we would be presumptuous to come into the throne room of grace without acknowledging that we need it. Father, we need your grace. We need your mercy. Father, we come hungry today. Father, we're just so glad to be in the house that has been set apart for this experience of worshiping you along with our sisters and brothers. Now, oh God, by your spirit, would you fill this place? God, would you be so pleased with our worship today that you might just interrupt the service? God, would you cause a rumbling in our spirit? Would you cause a shaking in our feet? Would you cause a shifting in our thinking, oh God? Would you strip us, oh God, of those things that are not like you? And may we say yes we will change in the power of the Holy Spirit because we ask these things in the, in the name of our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of... My allergies are kicking in, praise the Lord, but Brother Tim, Deacon Tim has prayed uh, whenever the weather changes. Amen. Some of you understand that. Amen. Amen. But the rest of you, uh, amen. How about this is just giving me a hard time this morning. Anybody praying for the pastor? Okay, we'll figure it out. Amen. Praise the Lord. 
We are continuing our series of messages entitled Silencing the Other Voices. We learned on last week that we need to learn how to discern, to recognize God's voice. Today we're going to be talking about silencing the voice of parental rejection. Silencing the voice of parental rejection. Now, there are two basic ways we sin, either by omission or commission. Sins of omission are those in which we knew we should have done something good but refused. You knew that you could have done something good, but you chose not to. We chose not to. James chapter 4, verse 17 talks about that. A sin of commission is a sin we take action to commit, whether thought or deed or words. It takes an action that involves a thought, a deed, or words to commit the sin of commission. A sin of commission can be intentional or unintentional. Even when we commit sins of commission and we don't mean to, the consequences can still be devastating. You may not have meant to be driving on the wrong side of the highway because you didn't see the sign. But because you were on the wrong side of the highway, your decision could cost somebody their life or even your own. And so you didn't mean it, but that doesn't make it any less consequential because you chose to do something that was wrong. As I reflect on the spankings that I gave to the wrong child, while ignoring their pleading and watching the real, the real guilty culprit in a distance not raise their hand and admit that it was them. I confess that I have been guilty of the sin of commission when it comes to raising my children. I have sinned against them unintentionally. There have been things that I've said out of anger and frustration that I didn't intend to harm my sons and my daughter. But because the Bible says sin, be angry but sin not, out of my anger when it was in control and not the Holy Spirit, I've said things that caused harm and led to feelings of rejection. How many of you know that there are no perfect parents? Amen. The only perfect parent that exists is God, and he created two children who he gave free will, and they chose to disobey the only perfect parent. And so I don't believe that most parents intentionally try to inflict harm on their children, that they would cause any, by any, any of their children by, by decision of their will to feel rejected. However, because of our imperfections, obviously, we fail. Sometimes in our imperfections, we can say things and do things like that become like recorded messages and on our engrafted on our children's brain. And when they would think they could, that message says to them they can't because they're not good enough and they never succeeded before and they never will. And that's the message that they remember. And you may say 99 times you can, but they remember that one time when you said they couldn't and that's the message that becomes engraved in their memory. 
Someone has said the children are the best recorders of history, but the worst interpreters. My children remember things that never happened. <laughs> and uh, we've had very heated discussions about I never did that. And so we all can be guilty of selective memory when it suits our purpose. Somebody say amen. When we attach conditions to our love for our children, when our love is unconditional, that withholding of love, unless you meet a certain condition, make us look good, make us feel good, that sows the seed that creates toxicity in your child's life that can result in them feeling rejected by the most significant people in their lives. Rejection, whether intentional or unintentional, can mess us up, especially when the source, the cause of it, are our parents. Rejection is that voice that yells at us and says, something's wrong with you. Your best is not good enough. Rejection is refusing to accept or consider a, a child or person to have value. Rejection says you're not valuable. You're not significant. You don't matter. When you experience rejection by a parent, you feel insecure. You can feel insecure, angry, depressed and unloved. Many of the, our sons that are in jail right now, they are enraged because they never experienced unconditional love by their fathers. In Genesis chapter 25, verses 19 through 28, we meet a couple that was childish, childless for the first 20 years of their marriage. The stress of Rebecca's infertility weighed heavily on the marriage. In fact, by the time we get to verse 21, after 20 years of marriage, the scripture says, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife became pregnant. Isaac prayed for his wife because she was without child. Now, the first thing that I want you to look at as we make our way through this passage in the Word of God is that God responds when parents pray. He responds when parents pray. Now, let me, let me qualify that adjective that, that identifies time. He said God answers when we pray, but it's not according to our timetable. They were married for 20 years and unable to have children. And so God still answered. Sometimes we think that God didn't hear us because the prayer wasn't instantaneously answered. Sometimes the reason the prayer is delayed is because God is waiting on us. He knows if we were ever given what we were asking for at the time we asked for, we would wreck it. And so 20 years into their marriage, the Bible says that Isaac prayed. I'm not sure why Rebecca stopped praying. Her husband interceded for her. I think there's a time you can pray about a particular thing, and God doesn't say yes, that you come to a point where you no longer have the faith or the ability to pray for it without being discouraged. I want to say about God answering the prayers of parents, it's God's delay is not a denial. 
His delay is not a denial. And sometimes when you get to the point where you don't feel like praying for something that is a desire of your heart, a a, a need that you think you have and may in fact be, and you reach that point of exhaustion in the spirit realm, you need people like Isaac to intercede for you. You need some folk who don't mind going to the throne of grace on your behalf. Isaac prayed for his wife. But we need to remember, as we are still waiting, that God's delay is not a denial. God wants us to be specific when we pray. He prayed for his wife to have a child, to have a child. In in James chapter 1, it says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and he withholds not. We need to get specific. We need to get real. We need to get raw with God. He knows the desire of our hearts. We don't need, you can't really even get through to God, the Bible, until you get real. Because the scripture says the sincere, the earnest, the, 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 the raw prayers of the righteous have great benefit with God. We need to get real with God about what's going on in our life. The scripture says, Jesus speaking, he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever, whatever. You can be specific with the Lord about the desires of your heart and understand that God hears you when you pray. God wants us to get real with him. God is not obligated to answer any prayer that you've never prayed. The scripture says you have not because you ask not. I don't know what your prayer life is like, but I, I believe that one of the end, end evidences of where we are in our spiritual walk will be evidenced through how much we are talking to God in prayer. One of the things that you will discover as you are praying to the Lord about the specific desires that he has allowed you to have on your own heart, you will find that he will answer According to you, he will not answer what you never prayed for. If he did and he gave it to you, you wouldn't even know you got it from him. God gives us children as gifts, gives parents children as gifts, not idols to worship or possessions to exploit. The Bible says that children are a gift our heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of our womb is a reward. It's not automatic that because you want to have children, you'll be able to biologically. But I want you to understand that however God chooses to give you children, they all are a gift from him. They are reward. They are not to be idolized. Your children are never to be put above God. Children are not possessions or items to be used like property. Getting a woman pregnant, brothers, doesn't make you a man or a parent. Having a baby doesn't make a woman, make you a woman or a parent. Parents take responsibilities for the children that they bear. And so we 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 need to distinguish between impregnating somebody and going around bragging, look at me, I'm a man. No, that didn't make you no man. What makes you a man is that you're responsible for your obligations. Now, when, you, when you're not taking care of what you made, you just a boy grown tall. A woman is not someone who can have a baby. You can be 11 years old and have a baby. That doesn't make you a woman. Someone can have your last name affixed to theirs, but that doesn't make you a parent. You must be responsible because that's what parents do. One of the reasons that's so important is when you are moving towards having children, it is essential that your worship and walk with God be in proper alignment. That's why we read in Deuteronomy uh, uh, chapter 6 where it says, you shall love, speaking to parents, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's your worship. 
And in verse 6, it says, and these words which I command you today shall be on your heart. That's the application. That's your walk. And once your worship and your walk is lined up, then you're ready to have children to parent. It's not reversed. You, 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 you get serious about God after you have children. No, children can be very, very divisive in a, in a relationship when your relationship with God is not healthy from the start. And so I say to people, well, you want to get married? Yup. You want to have children? Yup. I want to have family and all that. Well, what is your relationship to God as far as your worship and your walk? Before God gave Adam Eve, his worship and his walk was in right alignment. I hear people say, well, we don't have enough money and children are so expensive. No, 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 that's not. If you worship and your walk is right, you'll have enough money. You'll have enough love. Because the Bible clearly teaches that Jesus said, my, my, Paul's me, my God shall what? Supply all of your needs according to whose riches? His riches and glory. Through who? Through Christ Jesus. So the goal is to get your walk and your worship right so that you don't idolize the kid that God gave you or despise them because now they stop, they, they, they actually interfering with your groove. They, they, they stop in your, you know how you got you to uh, house a dog or what they say when you go away and you got to leave your dog? Well, when you have a kid, you got to figure out where that kid going to be. And so if you don't have your worship and your walk right, you're going to find yourself being a parent that doesn't handle developing your children right. And that whole passage, when you get a chance in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he said, when you walk in the way, tell them about the word. When you're sitting at the table, tell them about the word. When you're at the grocery store, tell them about the word. How are you going to tell them when the word hasn't become in your own, active in your own life? God answers us when we pray. He wants us to be specific. His delays is not a del- denial. God doesn't give us children so that we can idolize them or exploit them. Here's the second thing as we move on. God will give you more than you ask for when he chooses, but will never give you more than he, he enables you to handle. He will give you more than you ask for, bless you beyond what you can ask or even comprehend, but it will never be more than he has spiritually equipped you to handle. Isaiah, uh, uh, Isaac prayed for a, a child. God said, I'm going to double that. I'm going to double your trouble. I'm going to give you twins. Listen to verse 21. Rebecca, his wife, conceived. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, if, is all well? Why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. God gave Isaac and Rebecca more than they asked for. He gave them twins. He gave them twins. God also gave them two children that he determined their gender while they were still in Rebecca's womb. He gave them the doctor and the parents, nor the baby got to decide, hmm, I see this plumbing, and it looks different from that plumbing, but my most authentic self tells me that I can rebel against what God has already put on my DNA, that this is who I'm going to be. The gender of the child, I know that's not politically correct, but I'd rather be right with the word of God. As for me and my house, as for me and my house, one of the most dangerous things that is facing the church today, we don't believe the Bible. And guess what? The reason why we are in the mess that we're in today, and it ain't getting fixed no time soon, is because we have rejected God's way. I want you to understand that the Bible works. God's word works. He said it. He said, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It will never return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I please, and it will prosper wherever I send it. I dare you to try the word of God. The problem is not that the word of God has failed. We have failed to try the word of God. We have listened to the report of man, and now we've got foolishness. We don't know if we're a boy, a girl, or something in between. We got all, I, I was, somebody gave me a survey, it had like 10 different options. 
as to who you could be. No, the, my creator determines who I am. I was made by God, not by me. And it's the ultimate statement of, 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 of rejection. It's kind of like you give your child their name, and they decide because they're angry at you, they, they just, I ain't, no, I ain't your child. Yeah, they're your child because you gave birth to them. That will never change. What God has designed you to be, I don't care what kind of surgeries you have, what kind of counseling you have, your DNA is going to be what your DNA is because God predetermined that this family would have twins and that they would be male. I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. And I want you to understand that that is not a popular message in the church. And the greatest area where this is being challenged is among our millennials. We send them off to college, and college teaches them to at best be agnostic, not believe Bible-believing Christians. But I, I dare you to try the Word of God. I dare you to try the Word of God, and you will find that it will not fail, that, it, that the Word stands true. Here's the third thing. God's gifts can be challenging. They come with challenges. Rebecca got her, her, the desire of her heart. Now she's pregnant, and the pregnancy is complicated. Something's going on inside of her womb, and she says, what is this? Why is it so painful? I thought it was cute when my cousin got pregnant. And I, I, I just really love holding their child, but now you walking around, and your body has changed. And you hungry all the time, and that baby's playing basketball on the inside and slam dunking whenever it feels like it. And you say, whoa, what is this? Is this really a blessing? But the children struggled together within her, and she said, is it all well? Why, is, why am I like this? God's blessing, even though they come with challenges, doesn't mean it's less of a blessing. And once, what, what happens as we're raising our children, and they're all sweet up until they get about five years old, and then they get their little personalities. And, and, and the first part of 85% of a child's personality is developed within the first five years. And so you develop the kid, and everything you tell them today basically they do, and then all of a sudden they become teenagers. And something, a, 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 a switch flips. And everything that you say to them, they got another way of doing it. They have another way of thinking. You know how we was. And even when we were agreeing, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. And I, I, every time I could do what I wanted to do, as soon as I was out of my parents' range of vision, guess what I did? I did it while smiling in their face. Yeah, mm-hmm, I will do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what happens when our children... When there's conflict, when there's challenge, when they're difficult, we start questioning, am I a good parent? Did I fail? Is something wrong? Did they switch babies? <laughs> when I got this baby at, you know, in the maternity ward, did they, is this really mine? We better do a DNA something here. This is, this is maybe the, the child of Beelzebub. And so when we start having difficulty with our children. We start questioning God. What is wrong? I, I thought you said turn up a trial in the way that they should go. And when they all oh, they will not depart. They, 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 they giving me hell, Lord. I, I'm, I'm losing sleep here, Lord. I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm out of control. They, they, they do exactly what they want to do, Lord. What have I done? I must be a terrible parent. Now, how should you handle complicated children. Well, guess what Rebecca did? So she went to inquire of the Lord. <laughs> you need to talk to God. Oh, listen, I talk to God all the time. Well, remember, God's delays are not denials. And so one of the things you do when you're going through conflict, you need to be crying out to God. And it shouldn't just start when you're in conflict because the Bible says we ought to always pray lest we faint. He says, in all things give thanks. Well, this is the will of God. So I'm, I'm praying with thanksgiving even in my difficulties. But the first thing I'm going to do when I'm going through with my kids, I'm going to talk to the Lord. I want to hear from God. Why is this happening? 
Again, God says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. God doesn't always explain why, but he will give you the ability to properly apply scriptures. That's what wisdom is, the ability to properly apply scriptures in your current situation. To understand that the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. To understand that when God releases his word onto your situation, things are changing. Not going to change, they are changing. You may not see the change, but God, God responds to our prayers. So how, do you, how, how should you respond? You should pray, inquire of the Lord. Now, why does the Lord allow parents to experience complications with their children? One of the things that we discovered through Rebecca's experience is that divine insight is released when parents pray. Listen to what the scripture says in verse 23. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. This was before ultrasound. God says, your prayer has given you a supernatural ultrasound. The reason why this conflict is going on, I'm going to give you some divine insight. The Bible says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, nor has entered into the hearts of men who, who, who walk upright with what God will reveal to them. There are things that God will whisper to you when you pray that come as a result of conflict. You wouldn't have prayed until there was conflict. But now that you pray, guess what? You have divine insight. And sometimes the insight that you have is for somebody else because your answer in terms of deliverance hasn't come. God said, I comfort you so that you can comfort others. Comfort, well, what do you mean you comfort me? I'm still going through this. Paul said, I prayed three times at this thorn, this child. I prayed multiple times that this thorn would be removed. And God says, no, my grace is sufficient. And I'm going to demonstrate to you that my strength is perfected in the midst of your storm. Divine, oh, getting quiet up in here. Divine insight is released when parents pray. Here's another thing that happens, or why God allows us to go through difficulties with our children. Destiny for the future is revealed when parents pray. Listen to what happens. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve destiny. God showed uh, Rebecca the future because she prayed. And she prayed because she was in labor. She was having conflict with the children that were in her womb. I want you to know that God will show you destiny in your children when they can't see it for themselves. When I used to pray, Lord, please let my sons live long enough to outgrow their foolishness. I see something in them that they don't see it for themselves. Well, God will reveal as you are praying the destiny of your children, where he is taking them. And as you are looking ahead to where they're going, it will help you to deal with what you're experiencing in the present. So divine insight is released. Destiny is revealed about the future. And here's the thing that, that, that I don't like, but this is what happens when we pray. Why God lets us in. Dependence on God keeps us on our knees. That's why sometimes we're going through and we want to be over. And God said, I like it when we talk. I like it when you're desperate. I like it when you understand that if I don't do it, it ain't going to happen. And so when I'm going through with my kids, one of the things that I found myself, I found myself holding onto the very throne of God, pleading with him, Lord, give them another chance. Lord, open their eyes. Sometimes we don't get serious about prayer until something goes horribly wrong. We don't hear about Rebecca praying until she started having birth pains. Oh, well, I don't have to have that way. I, I was trusting the Lord before all this stuff broke out. But God wanted to deepen your relationship with him. Will you trust me? Does Job love you for nothing? Can you love God when you're in the fire? Can you love God when you can't see your way out? Can you love God when your heart is breaking? Can you love God when it seems like you're out of control of the very people that you love the most? God, God, somebody say amen. God will give you more than you ask for, but never more than he has equipped you to handle. It may seem more than you can bear. But God says, I have not given you any temptation 
that will overtake you, but such that is common to man. I will give you a way of escape that you may be able to bear. The question is, are you looking for the way of escape? Or are you focusing on the temptation? God creates each child, the third thing, with unique design to fulfill their purpose. This is what gets parents messed up. You can have 10 kids and every one of those jokers is different. Different. Same DNA. Cain and Abel went to the same church, raised by the same parents. Learn the word of God together, and one was a murderer. Killed his own brother because he was jealous and mad at God. That's in the Bible. One of the things I love about the word of God, there's a book of transparency. There's a book of warts and people without their makeup on. People when their hair ain't right. Amen, amen. God will give, has created each child. Now listen to what the scripture says in verses 25 and 26. He creates each child with unique design to fulfill their purpose. And the first came out, he was red. These twins now. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called his name Esau, which means red. After his, afterwards, his brother came out. And his hands took hold of Esau's heels, and they named him Jacob. The second brother held on to the heels of the first child, who was called Red. And his name was Jacob, which means supplanter, heel catcher, deceiver, con man, trickster. He who strives. Guess what he became? That's exactly what he was named reflects his character throughout the first part of his life. The twins looked totally different. They thought differently. They had different gifts and talents, same parents, different gifts and talents. The twins had a different calling on their lives. The older would serve the younger. And God revealed that to Rebecca. And here's what's interesting. When Rebecca prayed and God showed her the destiny of her sons, for whatever reason, she decided to keep it a secret from Isaac. A lot of the craziness that breaks out in this family's life, I, I challenge you to read the story of Isaac and Rebecca and their sons. It, this, you talk about dysfunction. You talk about heartbreak. When you read what happened to Esau and how he cried and he begged his father for a blessing, he said, bless even me. Is it not a blessing for me? Please, he begged him. And for the rest of his life, he, when you don't get the blessing from your father, you will do anything to get it from wherever you can find it. Read the story when you get a chance. The twins had different callings on their life. Rebecca should have told Isaac because the norm was the firstborn got the double birthright, the double portion. But God decided to switch it. And the younger was going to be the leader, the one who got the double portion, the birth of the of the birthright, of the inheritance. But instead of Rebecca telling Isaac, they went through their entire life expecting a certain order to be followed, almost in the way that you have, where you where you have this the spirit of this, I deserve this. Stay with me, stay with me. When parents refuse to acknowledge and accept the unique differences of their children, the seed of rejection is planted and it will grow. You try to make all your kids the same. Oh, your brother got a 90 on his test. What about you? Oh, your brother cleans up his room a lot better than you. When are you going to be like your brother? Well, God didn't kind of make me like my brother, but the kid doesn't think that way. The kid feels... They're not good enough to, because you don't accept them. That doesn't mean they should be, you should allow them to get away with not doing their chores. And so when we don't acknowledge and accept the unique differences, you are sowing a seed of rejection. Every child isn't going to get straight A's. Some children shouldn't go to college, and they're going to be totally content with a nine-to-five job. 
You already made up your mind. No, you're going to live here. You're going to go there. That's not the way God designed them. Every child isn't going to be a star athlete. You weren't. Why do you think they're going to be? You were the water boy. Now, they're going to be the star quarterback at five foot two. No, it don't work like that. Every child is not going to be outgoing in the life of the party. Your kid's going to find the furthest seat in the back. And be cool with that. You need to be, you need to mingle. You need to get well, you need to be more of a social platform. No, that's not the way they were designed. Every child isn't going to be low-key and easygoing. Some may love tattoos and love loud music and bad boys. You did. The truth be told. Thank God they didn't have tattoos. Even though I'm so dark, you wouldn't see mine, but I sure have them somewhere. <laughs> They'd be hanging down here by now. <laughs> At least they would have started up here. Every child isn't going to rule the, uh, uh, follow your rules the first time. I had kids. I could look at Brandon, give him that mean daddy look. And he goes sit down and get himself together. I raised my voice with Kanita. She started crying. Then I had two other sons. Canaanites. <laughs> they, they, they were not going to be convinced. You, you, you had to show them love through the rod of chastisement. Every child isn't going to run from trouble. Some will look for it and smile the more they are part of. They want to know what's going on social media. They want to know uh, the, what's going on with the ruthless and the restless. <laughs> Every child isn't going to appreciate the blessings that they receive until they get their own kids. And then they say, oh my God, did I do that to my parents? We raised those four children in the church. If you talk to each of my children, you would think they were raised by different parents in different houses. Their experience, based on their unique design and purpose, caused them to interpret life from an entirely different perspective. In the same house, Cain and Abel raised in the same house. Two of my boys, they don't, if they never come back to church again, it'd be too soon. And then I praise the Lord, Brandon came to church today. I said, hallelujah, he came on his own. Amen, I'm just uh, you can't force your kids to accept your God when they are old enough to decide for themselves. But what a parent should do, based on the unique design and purpose for which God has given to every child, we need to intentionally, we look for the best school, we look for the best team, we look for the best neighbor. No, you need to look for ways to find out what your device in the way that your child should go based on their own design and purpose. What has God revealed to you about their destiny? What has God shown you? And then you need to begin to show them from the word of God how to respond to what their experiences are biblically. As a child, what do you think God is saying to you? What does God say about lying? What does God say about careers? What does God say about treating people a certain way? You need to be intentionally showing that into, to your scripture, your children. So when they're older, they may see life from a different perspective, but it will, it will be through the lenses of the word of God. It's intentional. You can bring them to church every Sunday, but if they don't learn how to have a walk with God for themselves, God makes each child differently, and unique purposes are given to each child. Let me finish with this. God's voice can be silenced when parents reject their own children. You can silence the voice of God in your child's life when you sow seeds of rejection. And as I was thinking about this sermon, I could share so many things, so many horror stories about my own life. I think about, I was one of the top students in my class. But every semester when 
it was time to go home. Back then, you had to take everything home every, after every semester break. I didn't want to go home. Because wasn't that I didn't miss my family, I just didn't know if anybody was coming to pick me up. My mother would have to pay someone to come and get me. I was the last one to leave every time. The dorm parent would say, oh, do you have a ride? Are, are you going to be get, get home? And I said, I think so. Then I'd get home with whoever my mother found and paid, and my father's car would be, my stepfather's car would be parked right in front of the house. Love baseball. I played on Diamond 3, semi-pro baseball. Love baseball. There were five diamonds. We played our home games on Diamond 3. Every day, my father went out to the game. He watched the game on Diamond 1. I was on Diamond 3. He could spit and hit me, but he didn't come to my games. Now, I didn't, back in the day, you don't question that. You don't, it don't make no sense. It's just, I, I didn't understand it. But when I look back at how I thought about myself and the, and, and, and the questions, I don't care how many A's I made. I don't care how many places I went. I don't went to Dallas Seminary. It didn't matter because my best was never good enough because the people that mattered most to me never said so. So I can look at what you did and great, oh, wonderful, magnificent. I can't imagine that. I could, and I'm doing better in terms of what you would call better, but I never thought I accomplished anything. And so when the seed of rejection is sown, it's devastating. It's like a knife piercing through your heart, and you don't even know you're being killed until you're old enough to realize why you are the way you are. Now, what causes child, children to feel the greatest rejection? The first reason is favoritism. The Bible says that Isaac loved Jacob. Now, Isaac loved uh, Esau, but Rebekah <laughs> loved Jacob. When you have a favorite kid, when you show preferential treatment at the expense of another child, that is devastating. Now, each of your children, I have a different relationship with all of my kids. And, and, and we can talk about different things, all four of them. But I love none of them less. And so you can have different relationships with your kids and in terms of how you end up deciding on who gets what. Everybody don't have to get the same thing because you can give one to one child and next day it's gone. But you should love your children the same. They should never question that. Here's the second cause. Failure to verbally and physically express love. Some people, some of us have grown up in houses and no one ever said, I love you. No one ever touched you. Yes, they did when they were throwing something or hitting you over the head with something. But, but the Bible over and over again talks about the value of meaningful touch. I'm not talking about sexual perversion and exploitation where you're touching people inappropriately. No, no, the Bible gives multiple examples. We need to be touching our children appropriately. That says you matter, that you are significant, that you are important. When you withhold that, whether intentionally or unintentionally, well, they never did that when I was growing up, and a man doesn't hold a child, and a man doesn't say he loves, and, and that ain't macho. Well, you, you, you may think that that ain't biblical, and you're doing damage to your children. Focusing on what a child does more than what, who the child has, who the child is and should become. The Bible says that one was a skilled hunter and the other was a shepherd. And the, that's all that's emphasized about Jacob and Esau. What they did, not who they were. You talk about, what about, tell me about your kid. Well, they go to here, they got great grades, they, they, they got good friends and they traveling here. What about their relationship to the Lord? What about their character? Are they growing in Christ? Isaac and Rebecca focused on their, what their children did more than who their sons were. And both of their sons had flawed character. Esau was impulsive, unspiritual, a brute, and Jacob was a con man. 
and it nearly cost him his life again and again. Parents only focus on what their kids did. Is that what you focus on, on your, with your children? Their grades? Who they, who, who, uh, uh, what the job? Oh, my kid makes six figures. Okay. They, have, they don't have any compassion for, them, for anybody. God is more concerned about your character than your capacity. God is sick of a bunch of religious Christians. We say the right thing, and it does nothing uh, with regard to how we live. Jesus said, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you? You hypocrites, you draw near to God with your mouths, but your heart, your character is far from him. Character is who you are when nobody's looking. When you leave church, how do you behave at home? They focused on what their kids did more than who they were. Faith without works in their marriage. This is another cause of uh, a seed of, uh, of rejection. There was no, there was division in this house. They didn't take church home. <laughs> their children didn't see what it was like for a husband and wife to love each other as God said they should. And so when you grow up in a, a, a schizophrenic environment at church you shouting and, 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 and speaking in tongues and you go home you cussing and fussing and trying to slice each other's throats that's what I that's what uh, 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 Jacob and e e uh, Esau were exposed to these children never learned what God God was like by watching their parents these boys never learned how to view themselves from a biblical what God said about them. What are you teaching your children about how God sees them? Falsely teaching their sons to listen to them as the final authority rather than God. You don't hear where these boys prayed. The only time that you read about Jacob praying is when he was afraid and running from his life because Esau put a contract on his life for stealing his birthright. What the, the, the God to them was, was their parents' voice. And some of us, again, when we don't teach children how God works in their lives for them by applying the scriptures in their little lives experience, they grow up and say, well, my parents said, my pastor said, but what has God said to you? And then, so then the voice that they're waiting to hear is what their parents would do in any given situation versus what the Holy Spirit would have them to do. The voice for Esau was, was, was Isaac, and the voice of uh, Jacob was his mother, Rebecca. She, he, did, she did, he did what Rebecca said, not what God said. Falsely teaching the children to listen to them as a final thought. I was talking to a Jewish woman. I was trying to share Christ with her. She said, well, my dad said all of that was nonsense, and that never really happened. Your dad said? I could not penetrate what my dad said. Why do parents reject one child while embracing another? Let me just, I'm going to take time with this. Immaturity. Parents that are grown in age, but children in their minds should never have kids. Jacob and Rachel have been married. Isaac and Rachel, Rebecca have been married for 20 years. But they were immature in how they raised their children. Imitation. They repeated what they saw. Read the story of Abraham and Sarah and how Hagar ended up getting pulled into their mess. And they had a blended family that didn't blend. And so what Isaac was repeating is what he saw. We do what we learn until we know better. Insecurity. Their parents were afraid to love because they don't want to be rejected. Some parents are so needy that they're unable to give what they don't, what they never, what they never receive. And so your insecurity will prevent you from affirming your, your child because you don't know how to unconditionally love anybody because you don't love yourself. Irresponsible. Isaac and Rebecca did not, they did not care about how withholding love damaged their son. That's irresponsible. When you, when, you, when you say, well, I'm going to have my son, 
I may have these kids, but they ain't going to tie me down. If I want to hang out and stay for three or four days before I go home, if I want to smoke, join in front of my kids, if I want to get high in front of them, they, they, they don't have to do what I do. Let's do what I say. That's irresponsible. And look at the mess that we have. We have teenagers who will gun you down as soon as they look at you. Have no concern for life because parents have been irresponsible. I'm going to have my life. Now, how can, we be, how can we silence the voice of parents' parental rejection? Let me share this, and then we'll be done. The first way that you can silence that voice that never said, I loved you, that voice that never embraced you, that voice that has left the question mark in your heart, am I a real woman? Am I a real man? Is there really something wrong with me? Can I really be myself? If people really knew what I was like, would they love me or would they despise me like I was despised when I acted like I really am at home? The first thing that you have to do to silence that voice, you need to forgive your imperfect parents. Well, my dad is the reason I'm so, okay, he did it, she did it, but you got to get over it. Forgive your imperfect parents. Focus on what God has said about you, who you are. Esau and Jacob were severely mentally and emotionally, spiritually damaged because they never received the love of parents. One parent loved them, the other one did not. So when you don't get it, I knew, I, I saw my father, my biological father, for the first time in my life at age 65. Never saw a picture of the man. And I had no idea how significant that was. I didn't know that there was a, a, a gaping hole in my heart until I saw that picture. And for the first time, a chapter in my life, the chapter closed. I want you to know that if it had not been for how God thought about me, I don't know where I would be. Because that voice from a father was never there. Focus on what God has said about you. Find, godly, find a godly friend that you can confide in when you are struggling to overcome the voice of parental rejection. I want you to know that this thing is real. Next, we're going to be talking about spousal rejection, peer rejection, civil. We're going through this because one of the things that has paralyzed us from becoming all that God wants us to be, we're scared to be rejected because it's engraved in our spirit that we're not good enough. Something's wrong with us. Find a godly friend that you can confide in. You can't tell everybody your business. But there are people who you can talk to, and there is wisdom in the multitude of counseling. Function in the power of the Holy Spirit rather than your feelings. Well, if we all sat around today after church and start sharing our stories, we'd all be crying. <laughs> and we could all, oh, man, Pastor, have to And that happened to We could spend a whole and never move any further. We want to function. I'm overcoming this. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. In Jesus' name. So I'm, 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 I'm functioning in power of the Holy Spirit. Fathers, here's the final thing. Fathers and mothers, you can bring healing to your children that have experienced parental rejection from you by apologizing, by asking for forgiveness. I remember talking to a woman who left her daughter out in the cold for hours, freezing cold. Girl got so sick, she almost died. Another parent who used a wet strap and beat her daughter with it and put her in a hot tub of water. And so when she was asked about well, this lady, well, why did you do that? She came in late, or whatever the reason was. And they were asked, are you willing to admit that this was wrong? And are you going to apologize? No, I brought her into the world. If it wasn't for me, they wouldn't even be alive. How dare you ask me? I'm their parent. I put a roof over their head. They sleep in my bed. They eat my food. I ain't apologizing. They owe me. They're parents who actually feel like that that you owe them, you brought them to, how dare you try to tell me about church? I was saying, I was in the church before you were. That didn't mean you saved, mama. 
And so there's some parents who feel like they have paid their dues simply because they carried you for nine months. Or they are fathers, I paid your child support. What you mean I need to apologize that I never came to a birthday party? I never sent you a car. I never came to any of your games. Why well, I got to apologize? Your mom cashed the check every month. I sent her. I did my job. And as they're saying that, the wound is going deeper and deeper and devastating the child who already feels rejected. One of the ways that you can bring healing to a child that has been rejected by you as a parent is to admit that you, did, you may not intend it to do it, but it, it happened, and you can say, I'm sorry, forgive me, let's start fresh. Let's start fresh. In order for us to succeed and become all that God wants us to do, we have to silence that voice of rejection that would stop you from trying to do the next thing because you ain't good enough. Yes, you are. The reason, we only, the reason we think we're not is because we remember. We remember. Stand with me. Silence the voice of parental rejection. I said at the beginning that most parents love their children. Some don't. They're parents who don't love their kids. They're parents who children will see them drowning a sibling and respond in obedience when the parent says, you're next, and die at the hands of their own parents. That's real. That's the way we look. Well, parents love their kids. No, they don't. Not all of them. Was always better for the children to be with their mother. Not always. Well, it's always best for children to be with their parents. Not always. Sometimes adoption is better because if you're dealing with an immature, irresponsible parent, they're going to damage not only the child, but what we have is generational dysfunction now. We're about to get real deep. Next week, come back. We're getting ready to get real deep. You guys pray for me because you may be married sleeping with the enemy. Amen. And we need to know how to deal with that. 